pastor well enough to know that he would be uncomfortable talking on it. Uh, but uh, you need to understand the burden of, of the ministry. The ministry is not a profession. Now, there's a lot of young preachers going to college, but that's not what brings them in the ministry. Most of them are going for other reasons. I'm not here preaching against college. My pastor told me when I asked him if I could go, he said, no. You sit here in the local church, you'll learn more in four years here in Bible studies than you'll learn in a lifetime in a Bible school. Okay, so I'll just let that stay. <laughs> but if we understand as saints uh, the office of the ministry, uh, it's going to help you in every aspect of your walk with God. So let's, let's get started and see where we can go. Anybody in a hurry? Praise God. I am honored to be here and to be able to fill in what little bit of the space that your pastor left. Praise God. I want to be a part of this work that he's doing. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Does anybody will refute that or argue with me that we're not there? We're not in peaceful times nowhere. Even in our churches, there's turmoil. Okay? For men shall be lovers of them own se their, own, their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And he finishes, for such, turn away, get away from them. Don't run with them. It don't matter if it's grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, sister, brother. The late elder shepherd taught a, a Bible lesson one time, and he titled it, Beware of Friends and Relatives. Praise God. Well, help me, Jesus. Romans chapter 10, starting at verse 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. We're all on an equal basis. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. No big eyes, no little use. <clears throat> For whosoever call upon the name of the Lord, the same, or who shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14, how then 
Shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him whom we have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they hear without a preacher? Let's, let's pray. Jesus, thank you now for your goodness, God. Thank you for your blessings. Lord, I humbly ask you to let your anointing rest on my mind, on my lips. God, let it uh, let our, you know, in our ears that we can hear. Now, heart, God, that we can accept and respond. And we're going to give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You can be seated. I want to talk about, from the subject, the pressure is on the watchman. The pressure is on the watchman. I stood tonight during the preliminaries and I observed the service and those that were worshiping and uh, uh, the musicians and the participants in all aspects that makes a service run smooth. And having been in the position in my younger years of being you might say in charge when the pastor was away i i uh, i know the feeling that uh, goes in the responsibility of leading a service getting people to respond when you're not the pastor and i want to thank you for your participation for accepting this young man uh, in the absence of the pastor, that folks can come in, visitors can come by, and even get the Holy Ghost, get deliverance, be blessed, because they see a spirit of unity. Praise God. Now, the preacher is the means that God uses to save mankind. It's through the preacher. The preacher don't save people. But the scripture said, how can they hear? How can they know? Or how can they understand? The Ethiopian eunuch, when he was approached, and he said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I? Except some man Show me. God has a plan. Now, there's a lot of these movements that say they don't want a preacher. They don't want anybody telling them what to do nor how to do it. They're going to bypass and go directly to God, and God's going to give them direction. Now, if you've ever been in one of those services... It is mass confusion. One will be in charge, and it may be someone over here. And they've got it for just a little while, and the spirit moves on somebody over here, and they stand up and take it from that one. And they may go in a different direction, and somebody else... I've seen tongues and interpretation 
get to going and they're in mortal combat with each other with tongues and interpretation as sacred as that is. But when you take the man of God out of the picture, you've got mass confusion. How many times have we come to church feeling confused, maybe disappointed, maybe hurt, maybe discouraged, whatever, whatever the reason is, and somehow or another, the man of God stands to the, to, walks to the pulpit, and there just seems to be a spirit come over that congregation, and you feel a safe place. Praise God. God's always used a man, and he's not going to change now. And because of this, Satan in these last days has used unscrupulous and so-called preachers to destroy all respect and trust in the ministry. I visited just recently myself and my wife, a young man that I've known since he was born. In fact, his parents left our house and went to the hospital when he was born. I've watched him grow up, and uh, I've watched the chaos in his life, and I've watched the confusion in his life, and uh, just recently his world caved in as the enemy was victorious in a family. He looked at me, and he's known me all my life, or all of his life he's known me, and he said, I don't trust anybody, and especially a preacher. Now that's sad because the devil has got this young man and his family right where he wants them. If the enemy can ever separate you from your man of God, you may as well have cancer in the stage four. There is no hope because you cease to have the ability to hear from God. How many times have I got what I thought was a revelation? Wow and start talking to my man of God about it. Fortunately, I mean, he made me feel about that high, but he didn't do it on purpose. He said, well, that false doctrine has been around since I was a young man. You watch these phases, I'll call it, these new doctrines that spring up. They, they had their cycle back when, and they're now just coming back around. Somebody said it's the same old lady in a new dress. You say, oh, have you heard about? No, I haven't heard about it, 
But you find one of the elders around and said, oh, yeah, we've struggled with that back in the 40s. So God puts a man that he talks to. He comes to church on a Bible study night. I watch my pastor walk out of his office so sick and so weak. He didn't make a show of it. He would hold to the wall till he get to the door and get in the door and hold to the side of the wall till he could get up on the platform and then walk to that pulpit and teach a master Bible lesson. The elder Ballesterel's gone on to be with the Lord, but he preached one year at PSR in California, and he was so sick till two or three days before his slot came about, he was in a motel room flat of his back. They tried to get him to back out, and he says, oh, no, I've got a message from God. They helped him out of bed, get him dressed, and brought him to the conference, helped him to the pulpit so he could hold on to it. And there he spoke as though God was talking. Went back to his motel room and was put back in the bed. God has a man that that call goes beyond his feelings. Now, Pastor Riggin told me the other night we were talking he said, man, if you could stay over next week, I'll be home. But he said, my body is exhausted. Now, if you can't, I will somehow or another teach a Bible lesson, but it would say so much easier. Now, he don't stand up and brag about that. I'm trying to show you that God, and when I say a man, I mean a man, a God-called preacher is a spiritual, as it were, Paul Bunyan that has no equal. He's not afraid to confront hell with a switch. He's not afraid to fight every devil in this region for your soul. If you'll just let him and submit to what he has to say. But the enemy has tore down respect for the ministry until today. Now these, these young folks, they don't know beyond 16 years, probably maximum 18 years, just the time frame that they've come in. But I can remember when churches didn't even have locks on the doors. A preacher was respected. Nobody talked back to a preacher. And especially an apostolic preacher because they feared that God would strike them with lightning. But the enemy has injected and allowed through media and what have you that's why it's so important that you follow your pastor's guidelines with this media junk. Some things that you can't handle if you get it in your head, it's going to work on your mind. 
Isaiah 21 and 6, For thus saith the Lord, For thus hath the Lord said unto me, Go, set a watchman, and let him declare what he seeth. Now, of course, cities had walls built around them, and this watchman's job while you were sleeping was to walk around the walls. And if he saw an enemy coming, he was to sound the alarm. If he sounded the alarm and you didn't take notice of it and you were killed or captured, he was not responsible. But if he fell asleep or failed to give the alarm and you was hurt and or destroyed, then he was responsible. Your man of God is going to give an account of the folks that God has put in his charge. You're not just a member of a church building. God put you here. God planted you here. Why didn't he call you from down the street, down there? No, he brought you here and he set you in this congregation. He called you to this altar. It was this man of God that put his hands most of the time on your head. You received the Holy Ghost. He baptized you in Jesus' name. And through weeks and months and years, teaching Bible studies has established you where you are. Praise the Lord. And yet there are those in the neighborhood that would gladly lure you to them and you are a misfit. You don't fit into the family. Praise the Lord. They may smile at you, but you don't fit into the family. I watched Elder H. Sunday dedicate a little boy, a little baby boy. And he held that baby in his arms. And he prayed over it. And he charged mom and dad the responsibility to raise it. And after church, he said, I baptized or I dedicated his daddy. And I dedicated his mama. And if the Lord tarries, one day he'll dedicate possibly that boy's baby. When you get a, a bond like that, it's kind of like some of you young people. I, I, I don't know anybody here by name. When I watched a, a, a grandmother come in the door uh, the, tonight and started walking back there, and one of these young men went and grabbed her and hugged her. I said, that's somebody's grandma, surely. I think it was you, sis. That would be like going to grandma after church and say, hey, grandma, I found me another grandma. 
I'm going somewhere else. This church is your home. You were planted right here. When somebody says, hey, we can do things down the street, yeah, you can get a disease on your plant that dies because they're not maybe watching like this man of God is. Well, praise the Lord. You'll never be saved alone. If you ever walk on streets of gold, it's going to be because somebody's fingerprints has been found on you. Some preacher is going to be able to say, God, I did my best. Praise God. Those that don't need a local church really are going to feel out of place. Because first place, they're not going. But if they could get there, they would feel totally out of place. Like the man that went to the supper and he didn't have on a wedding garment and he was cast into utter darkness when the goodman of the house invited you to the wedding or to the supper, he supplied you with the, the dress, the attire, so everybody would be dressed alike. That's why your pastor has standards. Well, praise the Lord. So that we all look alike and we resemble. So that uh, the master, when he looks down, he's pleased and not angry. Oh, praise the Lord. It still is good when churches preach separation. Thank God for the pastor of this assembly that still from time to time, and I've never been here when he did it, but I can assure you if I was a cricket in a crack, I'd hear him sometime or another say, hey, we ain't going there here. That's not going to happen around here. We're not going to tolerate some things because the master wants to be happy when he looks at his children and can recognize them. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes. Hebrews 10 and 25, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. As the manner of some is. That was in Paul's day. They're having problems with people laying out of church in Paul's day. And he said, don't you do it. Well, I know that there's times that you have to volunteer for a second shift to make a little extra money. I understand that. But when you start making excuses to miss church, he says, even so much more so as you see that day approaching. Now, let me just throw this, and there ain't nothing, it probably ain't worth the air that it takes to get it to you. But we've got a generation that can't remember where they were at 
an hour ago or what they did yesterday. Did I say something wrong? I don't remember. I, I, I hear young people, teenagers, I, I don't remember. I just can't remember what I just can't remember. Even so much more so as you see that day approach. We need to be in church more today than we've ever been. We forget. I heard the story of the pastor that taught a Bible lesson on Sunday morning, come back that night, used his same notes, read word for word, taught the same lesson, come back Wednesday night, done the very same thing for about three weeks. And at the end of the third week, one of the men come to him at the end of the sermon and said, you know, brother, seems to me like I've heard you say something about that subject before. Hello? Tell me what Pastor Riggin preached two weeks ago. Don't, don't go there. You understand the point I'm trying to make. It's important today that we keep the world pushed out of our mind. And the way we do that is keep the word in our mind. And the way we do that is come to the house of God and don't be distracted during the preaching. The enemy's business, I'm fixing to walk on holy ground, but maybe I can do it without falling through. Praise the Lord. And I'm not, maybe I shouldn't even say it, I'm not referencing this baby here because it's just crying. But your children, if you're not careful, We'll at the pro I've seen it in an altar call when, when the preacher preached a, a message and sinners were there and they were just getting ready to come to an altar and some babies started crying. And it distracted the whole service. The enemy knows the strategic move to make to cause you to miss that gold nugget that your man of God dropped for you in your heart. And I missed it. Praise God. I need to know what God is saying to me today. Genesis 11 and 4. And they said, go to, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. The cry of the Lord was, go forth and replenish the earth. The cry of man was, we want to do things our way. So we're going to build an alternate way to go to heaven. That's exactly what's happening today. There's towers being built toward the heaven by denouncing God's word, we want to do it our way. We want to have church our way. We want to have a pastor that will tickle our ears, that will tell us what we want to hear, 
so that I can go home comfortable. You know, really, the bottom line, we ought to, in a sense, go home after each service with just a little bit of conviction that the word saw a flaw in me and corrected it. And I said, instead of getting mad at the preacher, I said, thank you, Jesus. You love me enough to use my pastor to find that flaw that I could be saved. Oh, praise the Lord. There's a constant pressure on the watchman. A constant pressure to spot and signal danger and he's got to watch day and night. You know, you go on vacation and most of you try because of the pressure of work, try to go to a place. There's not very many. I hope there's not. If it is, I'd like to meet you that tries to pick out a vacation spot so you, that you are so miserable that you come back early so you can go to work. Huh? You want to find a place, oh, that's that dream place. That when you get there, nobody's ever, there's no footprints. I remember me and my friend was hunting one year in Colorado and we, we left at daylight, left the camp and we walked and we, we could see the outline of that mountain there and we said we're going we're gonna to try to get to the top of that mountain as early as we can so we can have the, the vantage of looking down over the side and here we struggled to get up that mountain, just a, a trail. There was no roads that we found nowhere. And we got up to the top of that mountain and we was exhausted. And there was a tent city up there. There was literally a pop-up camper. One of those little gadgets that, you know, the wheels ain't but about so big around. How they got up there, there had to have been a road somewhere. We were so disappointed. But... You go on vacation to relax and to come back home charged up, right? And it should be that way. But you're a man of God. You could pick a dream vacation for them. Pay all expenses. Now, once in a while, you should do that as a surprise. And they may go and they may come back with a smile on their face. But every day of their life, they was back here on the job. Because they carried the load and the responsibility of God's people. They worried about you. I promise you, if Pastor Riggins going to call, brother said he was asleep right now, I thought maybe we might get excited enough tonight we could wake him up over there, but let him sleep and rest. 
Well, sometime before he goes to his service, I got a good feeling he's going to call and say, how did church go last night? Were there any visitors? Did anybody get the Holy Ghost? Praise God. Jeremiah 6 and 17, also I set a watchman over you saying, hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not walk therein. Now, when your man of God gets directions from God, and I pastored 25 years, I assisted before that 14 years. Uh, I sat in that local church a, a total of somewhere around 22 years. Assisted the last 14 and then pastored 25. And now we've been traveling uh, going on 11 years. So I think I kind of have a, an idea what I'm talking about. I think I understand how churches operate and how pastors think. I've been around enough of them. When you're trying to talk to them and make light and maybe get them to laugh, they're sitting there driving down the road and they're in another world because somebody is not where they need to be with God. Your man of God is disturbed over your spiritual condition when you're not on top of things. <coughs> Praise God. When he asks you to be here early to pray, you know why we have prayer before church? Anybody ever thought of why? I mean, that adds an extra time limit. Now, there were some people up here this afternoon somewhere around 5 o'clock. But uh, when you work in Pharaoh's brickyard all day long, you can't work in the brickyard without getting mud on you. And if you bring that spirit of Pharaoh to the house of God and don't have time to get it dealt with and taken care of, then the spirit tries to move and you're still in the brickyard. Your mind is cluttered with all of those thoughts and all of those arguments and all of those pressures and the Spirit tries to drop something in your heart, you're not able to comprehend it because a carnal mind cannot comprehend spiritual matters. That's why when your man of God sometimes makes a statement, you say, why in the world is he talking about that? Why would he deal with that? There were times when I pastored that I said things from the pulpit that I questioned myself. I said, God, where did that come from? It's not in my notes. I didn't intend to say it. 
Where did it come from? I don't know. There's times that I would say, this is what I feel the Lord wants us to be doing for the next few weeks. This is the direction I feel we need to be going. At the end of that time, I said, okay, I feel like we need to be going this way now. You say, he don't know where he's going. He was going north one time, now he's going west. No, 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 no. There's something in the spirit realm that God prompted that preacher to say, hey, let's go this way. We just had two men. Uh, oh, you may, have, you may have heard of <coughs> You may have got wind of it on the news that over around Arkansas that went duck hunting just before Christmas. And they come up missing. One of them was a celebrity in Fayetteville in one of the churches. He sang in a popular, I guess, it wasn't popular to me, but he was in a singing group, lead singer. They come up missing. Now, the other guy, I guess, drowned outright. This man swam to shore or got to shore, got out in the swamp, and laid flat of his back and died from hypothermia, thinking he was going to be rescued. One of our young preachers in our church, we were talking just the other day, and he said, you know, Elder, he said, the week of Christmas, he's a big duck hunter. I mean, he goes after it big time. He said, I spent the week of Christmas finding some new places to go, and I went to that same spot that they was at, and I said, this would be a good spot, but something in my spirit said, no, that water is too treacherous. He said, I should have been right there on that day. Sometimes we don't know what God has in mind or what he's trying to rescue you from when all of a sudden you just feel a different spirit. Hey, I can't go there. I don't feel comfortable there. And your man of God says, church, uh, you can't do that. You ever ask your pastor for advice or permission to do it? He said, no, I don't feel good about that. Well, I do. Well, I don't. I'm telling you, my spirit is is uh, is a trouble. <coughs> my spirit is troubled. I don't like what I feel. You better listen. You better listen to your man of God. We had a lady several years ago. Now she, well. She just was different. One little light bulb was on, but there wasn't nobody home. I, I, I can take another hour and tell you. You could preach dress, holiness, and it didn't seem to affect her. She was a single woman, and she seemed to be attracted to bums. And... Claiming to be in the church. 
And I dealt with that for a long time. And finally, I called her in the office or in a room, a conference room, and I asked two of, her la- two of our ladies to come as a witness. Never did that before, but I felt that's the way to go. And I said, now, Shirley, I want these ladies to hear what I'm saying so that you can't go off and the devil tell you so-and-so. And I typed out all the charges on a legal pad. And I said, these are some areas that's going to have to change if you're going to be a part of our church. I read them all. I said, now, sign right here. The lady signed. I signed. And I give her a copy. Now, when you get home and you're confused, just check the list. Now, you would think that that would change everything. Didn't change nothing. God's man will go to extremes to try to see you saved. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Luke 13, 6 through 9, and he spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, Let it alone. This year also till I shall dig about it and dung it, fertilize it. And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, now listen to this. Then after that, (coughs) thou shalt cut it down. That preacher run me off. No, that preacher didn't run you off. When you get the Holy Ghost, you have a call on your life to become a saint, which is also a requirement to reproduce yourself. You will never mature to the level that God had in mind when you prayed through if you never win a soul, if you never reproduce yourself. How many times have we started the new year and we looked at that tree and it had no fruit on it? It's mature enough, it's old enough, it's big enough, it's beautiful enough, but it has no fruit on it. And the Lord said, cut it down. And the pastor says, Lord, let me. I had a couple one time that we dealt with for years. They'd come and just make it to a certain point. 
You see, when habitual backsliders keep coming back and praying back through, you watch it. If you flunk the second grade, you're going to have to take that test again before you go to the third grade. Now, some of the schools don't do that anymore. They don't want to give you a complex. But that's when I went to school. Two and two was four. Three and three was six. But now you can't help your kids with math because they've come up with some goofy concoction so they don't have to put you on a guilt trip. When people backslide, they backslide over a, an issue. When they come back and pray through, before they mature and go very far, they're going to have to face and deal with that issue. This couple was their children. I mean, they're little angels. Every one of them had wings. The rest of the kids just had shoulder blades. They all looked alike, but their kids was wings. They did no wrong, and you didn't dare correct them. The last time they left, and I only had it happen one time, the Lord spoke to me and says, leave them alone I'm through with them. I love that family. I dedicated those babies. But what I didn't know is they would leave the church and while they were out, they would go to the Catholic church and have their children rebaptized and dedicated. And finally, the Lord said, I'm through with them. And I said, God... Will you please, for my peace of mind, will you let them come back one more time? Will you let me reach for them one more time? And it wasn't but just a service or two. They came back. And this preacher, I preached my heart out. I'm sure the church didn't understand what was going on because it was though I was ignoring everybody and I was reaching for that family because I knew there set a family that was weighed in the balance and was found wanting. And if somehow or another I couldn't come up with the words to reach them, they would be lost. Don't judge your pastor when you don't understand what's going on. I assure you that God has his hand in the situation and he's reaching for somebody, trying to salvage somebody, trying to help a young person get their feet back on the ground. It wasn't but just a short while we heard the news come to us, Freddie is sick unto death. Me and my wife got in the car and we went to their house. We walked in the living room. We just wanted to let them know, hey, we're not against you. We prayed with them. He wept. 
make no change. It wasn't just a week or two he went ship Houston to Dallas, I'm sorry, and he died. We were not even notified. They had started going to the charismatic church and oh, they had a glorious service for Brother Freddie. It wasn't but just a few weeks that his wife said to one of our ladies one night, and in Carlsbad at night in the sky, you don't have all these city lights and you can see the stars. I mean, it's still beautiful. There's still stars up there. And she pointed out this one star that was brighter than the others. She said, see that star right there? They said, yes, that's Freddie. Because the preacher couldn't reach him. Let your man of God walk in the Holy Ghost. Encourage your pastor to walk in the Holy Ghost. The pressure is on him when you see him walk down that aisle out of that office. God has put a burden on his shoulders for that service. I said God has put a hand, a burden on his shoulder for that service. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, it's so important, church, today. Please hear what I'm saying. It is important to show your man of God support. It's important when your man of God said, no, not now, wait a while. It's very rare that the teenager, when mom and dad said, no, not yet, that they understand it. Mom and dad just don't understand. They're not as smart as I am. Hello? You know why they think that way? Because they're not mature yet. And when you go to your man of God and ask his advice, and he says no, or let's wait a while, and you buck up, it's only because you're not mature enough to take no. Oh, praise the Lord. I have no clue how, if any, how I know this young man is, feels he's called to preach. His brother, other than that, I know Please, brethren, don't, don't leave this assembly until your man of God puts his hands on your head and says, I'm sending you in Jesus' name. I concur, it's time for you to go. There's pitfalls out there. The enemy is going to give you a call. He's going to give you a burden that my pastor just don't understand. No, but God does. And when your pastor says no, say back up. Pastor Howard is my pastor. Praise God. First time when we moved there, 
one of the neighboring pastors asked me to come preach for him. And I said, I, I'm sure that, that uh, it'd be all right, but let me run it by Pastor Howard. And I went and talked to him. I said, say, brother, so-and-so, they were in fellowship, uh, asked me to come preach for him. Be okay? He said, sure. He said, Elder, you don't have to ask me if you can go preach for somebody. I said, yes, sir, I do. I want that on my resume that when I teach the other young preachers that don't understand what I understand, I want to be able to say this is how I do it. I don't accept a message from nobody until I just say go talk to my pastor. Now let me show you the flip side of that and I'm going to move on. I'm I'm almost through for yours that are desperate. I had a, had a man call me a while back, and we were home, and we hadn't been out for a while, and, you know, that, that itch was beginning to get a hold to us. This man said, I, I, I need, I want to take a two-week vacation, and I'd like for you to come take care of my church while I'm gone. That little click said, oh. I went to church that night and after Bible study. I said, Pastor, I called the man's name. I said, is so-and-so still on the good guys list? He said, Elder, please. Please don't get involved. He said, when we have a time to get together, I'll explain what. I said, no, sir. You don't owe me an explanation. You just gave me an answer. I'm talking about the pressure. He could have said, yeah, go, 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 go. And my ministry could have been ruined just by association. Thank God for a preacher that'll say no. Thank God for your pastor that says no from time to time. He's under more pressure than anybody I know of in the apostolic movement. I don't know how the man physically stands up under the pressure that he's under and the load that he's up. Please don't put another gray hair in his head. Oh, when he comes home, y'all ought to throw a party every time he comes back home and say, thank you, Pastor, for coming back home. Thank you for being my pastor. Oh, hallelujah. When he preaches and or teaches, you need to come by and say, thank you for talking to me. Thank you for preaching to me. Thank you for praying for me. You're the greatest man of God in my life. I thank you for it. Don't let him get discouraged. You can do your best and the pressure is still going to be there. But don't be guilty when you stand before the Lord on that day. And he said, oh, by the way, you were the one that put the gray hair in his head. You were the one that never would let him pastor you. You were the one. 
Oh, hallelujah. I've known men that packed their bags and went and become a car salesman because they couldn't take the pressure. I'm telling you, God has put a man here that has a backbone like a saw log, that has a burden for this church, that's not looking for a bigger church. He's only wanting to see revival break out in this assembly. If you're ever going to make a push for revival, do it when he's gone so that he can come back and see brand new families sitting here. Well, hallelujah. If you're ever going to get out of that rut, do it while he's gone so that he can come back and you say, Pastor, you don't have to worry about me no more. I got on top of it. God, talk to me. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, let's stand. I haven't gotten nowhere near through scratching this. Oh, praise God. To know that God's man. Young people, please listen to your preacher. I can show you. I can show you the scars, the after effect. I can show you the result. It's never a pretty picture. Thank you, Jesus. I hope you don't take that I come here tonight to browbeat you and put you down. But I come here to try to bring deliverance and help you to understand how and why your man of God operates like he does. Mom and dad, you fight your preacher and you can sign your kids off. They say arrogance and rebellion in you, it grows in them. And as soon as they get, we've had kids graduate from our high school and never come back to another service. You love your kids? Show them the Holy Ghost in a service. Show them how to worship. Discipline them, but show them how to love God. Show them how to reverence the house of God. Show them how to respect the man of God. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost could do something here tonight still. This is a Bible study. And unless I've totally missed it and I don't believe I have because I know what I felt. I've knocked on some of you's door and I've rung some of you's doorbell. If you would choose to say, God, the buck stops right now. I'm dealing with this issue. My man of God, I'm putting him on the throne of my life. God could do it tonight. We talk about a miracle as somebody's eyes being blind and they see or lame and they walk. 
but I call a miracle when, when somebody has been in church for a number of years and struggled and struggled and struggled, and all of a sudden something clicks, and they say, okay, tonight's my night. I don't care what the rest of the saints think. I don't care what they wonder, what I've done. It don't matter. It's between me and God tonight. If you can't do it tonight, please start, start pondering on this. And between now and Sunday morning, spend some time in this sanctuary and deal with some issues. Oh, I want to see somebody get the Holy Ghost Sunday morning. Hello? I said, I want to see somebody get the Holy Ghost Sunday morning. I want to see somebody else get the Holy Ghost Sunday night. I was preaching two or three weeks ago at a place. Sunday morning, the Lord came down in such a spectacular way and just flooded that house. And I said, find somebody and bring them to the house of the Lord tonight. Just in passing. We dismissed. We came that night. And Lord... They must have been 12 or 15 visitors there. The pastor's wife said, I laid down and tried to take a nap and said I couldn't go to sleep. And she said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go find somebody to bring to church. And she brought her uncle. Never been to church before, is what I understand. Never prayed in the altar. He came and they sit back there in the back. And God come down, preached Conviction fell. There was five adult men in the altar and four adult ladies. You've been having visitors. I told you, Pastor, I said, man, we're going to work on praying somebody through. And I thought he's going to jump through that phone. He said, great, 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 great. Help me. Find somebody. Oh, praise God. I like to see miracles of healing. But oh, I like to see families restored. My wife was talking to the pastor's wife just the other day. She said, you remember my uncle? Yeah, he's still coming. His wife's in the altar. They had not got the Holy Ghost yet, but they're seeking. Oh, hallelujah. It's about time some of these pews are filled up. Don't let the devil tell you it's because your pastor's gone all the time. He's put enough in you. We ought to be able to have revival without him. Taking nothing away from him and disrespectful. But God is the same. Let's see what he'll do Sunday morning. Praise the Lord. Let's worship the Lord together. Give God praise for what he's already done. Get excited in your worship in the next few minutes. Thank you, Jesus.